The Blue Devils don't lose at Cameron Indoor all that often, but is Arizona's win an issue for Duke, or is it just a sign that Tommy Lloyd's team is the real deal? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Happy Monday. Happy first full week of the college basketball season in the books. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade over there. And today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Game Time. Folks, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Isaac, we got a jam-packed show today. We got a tremendous Friday night game between Arizona and Duke. We're going to talk all about what that game means for Arizona, what that game means for Duke. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten and some of the early season struggles we have seen from some of the teams in that conference. We're going to close us out with a six-pack of other updates around college basketball. Fantastic stuff. Before we get into any any of that, Isaac has undertaken a a very (laughs) difficult uh, job this year of continuing to count down all of the undefeated teams. As we are recording this right now on Sunday, there are 135 teams that have yet to lose this season. By the time you're listening to this, there will be at least, there will be 133, maybe 132 we're recording before the end of the St. Mary's Weaver State game, before the start of the Washington-Nevada game. And if Montana can defeat UC Davis, potentially down to 132, but 32-20 right now, Andy. The Grizzlies are doing work. Grizzlies are doing it right now. What, Isaac, what an, an incredible week. And, and I really want to start with Friday because we could spend the entire show talking just about Friday's game. And part of that is because of the tremendous amount of fantastic games we saw on Friday. But it's also because, frankly, there weren't a lot of great games on Saturday or Sunday or really. We spread it out, Andy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I get why we don't. I get why we don't. I know we've talked, we've litigated this before on here. Of they're competing with college football, they're competing with the NFL on Sunday. But man, like if you didn't, if you started with one day, you couldn't watch. You didn't get to see anything. You didn't get to see anything, and that is a a, a huge bummer uh, in college basketball. It's something that's going to be alleviated very soon as we get into the MTEs and the the really exciting part. I mean, we got Kansas, Kentucky in a couple of days. We're we're going to be just fine, but. Uh, a lot of a lot of the heavy lifting for this first week of college basketball was on Friday, and really a lot of the heavy lifting was a tremendous back and forth, constant, uh, just just incredible affair between Tommy Lloyd and the Arizona Wildcats and John Shire and the Duke Blue Devils at Cameron Indoor. We love true home games this early in the season. I don't know how you can watch college basketball and not be more excited when you're seeing the Cameron crazies doing what they do. That was a tremendous game. And, and, and Isaac, there's a lot to talk about on the Duke side of things here. Uh, Some depth concerns, their ability to handle some, some big pressure in the front court, things like that. But I want to start with Arizona because frankly, my big takeaway from this game is that it says a lot more about where Tommy Lloyd's Wildcats are right now, this early in the season, than it does about Duke. Does that sound fair to you? It 100% does, Andy. Like, this is, in to me, in no way an indictment on Duke. This is just a high-level basketball game where if these two teams played 10 times, they split it down the middle, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are two teams that, as I watch them, I like, this might as well have been the saturday of the final four right like i could very easily see that happening and so do you remember my prediction for for the the national championship was this this matchup duke was i'd be quite happy if this is what ends up happening this year and so andy for me i i don't devalue duke i did bump them down a little bit in my poll and we'll get to that on tomorrow's show 
-hmm. But for me, what it just says is I got to slingshot Arizona up because good grief. And and it's Mm -hmm. also two quick things about the matchup itself. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, John. More of this, everyone. Secondly, we see the example of why we talk about like this cannot hurt you to high level teams playing because for Duke, it's not like losing to a team that's going to now be in the top five is not going to ding you. But for Arizona, the reward from it is so great. So if both teams can agree, hey, like this isn't going to hurt either of us, but it's going to massively help one of us get an out-of-conference quad one, that's great. So there's that side of it and why we talk about having these matchups. Yeah. And I mean, if you're Duke, like what what Duke learned in this game, Kyle Filipowski, phenomenal game, 25 points. He looked incredible. Jeremy Roach had 17 points. Nobody else in double figures. Flip can hit threes now, dude. What? (laughs) No, he looked, he looked fantastic. But I think the the depth concerns are not something that you necessarily see if you're playing Gardner Webb. Sorry to throw out a random team there, NJIT or, or whomever. Like you see that when you play a team like Arizona and you realize, oh, our you know these guys didn't step up, but your freshmen have now been at camp. They've played a, a marquee team at Cameron. Like they don't have to do that for the first time uh, it, once the conference play starts. They already have it in the bag. And and meanwhile, if you're Arizona, I mean. All five of their starters, Isaac, were between 11 and 14 points. That is incredible. I mean, talk about balance for a team like that. And, and the Caleb Love experiment is, is the most interesting story about Arizona right now. And what I loved about this game and what I think this game really told us about Arizona is they don't need Caleb Love. Like Caleb Love can have Caleb Love performances, and it's not going to bury them. Because, frankly, that's what happened. Caleb Love was the worst starter for Arizona in this game statistically. He had 11 points, which is the fewest. He had uh, six turnovers. He shot three of 10 from the field. He shot one of five from deep. He didn't. Well, and that one was the bank in three before halftime. I kind of realized that right as I said. I was like, oh, yeah, that one was that buzzer beater, too. Not a great game from Caleb Love, yet it didn't sink Arizona at all. And part of that is because Keelan Boswell is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he looked incredible in this game, 12 points, eight boards, five assists, two steals for him. And I think, you know, you, you look at North Carolina last year and the, the mix between RJ Davis and Caleb Love and, and Arizona or North Carolina could occasionally withstand bad performances from Caleb Love, but not often. And, and Arizona proved that they have the bandwidth, the ability to stomach poor Caleb Love performances against top five caliber teams and still win. That is, I mean, Going into week two, knowing that is incredible for, for Arizona. Well, and it's funny because you do still get the Caleb Love moment of him going four of four from the free throw line down the stretch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think, did, Pella, did Pella Larson get the tip on that last Duke inbound I pass? I think so. I think it was yeah. Larson, yeah. And, but he tipped it to Love, mm-hmm. gave it up for the dunk at the buzz. And so it's like, it's so hilarious because he has an inefficient game, mm-hmm. a la Kirk Creasa, before him in previous years in Arizona, mm-hmm. yeah. but still winds up with three of the most memorable moments of the game because of those two trips to the line and that assist at the end of the game. It, it, it's it's Caleb Love in a nutshell. Yep, 100%. 100%. And I think with Duke, like, there is a depth concern. I, I don't think it's a, a huge concern, mostly because I think that these freshmen are, are going to just continue to get better and better and better as the season goes on. TJ Power didn't play in this game. And, and I think, like, you know, Sean Stewart didn't play much. And I, I think you're going to see more from Duke's depth as the year goes yeah, on. Right. And, and certainly a lot of high caliber programs don't play. Uh, they, they, they shorten their rotation against really good teams. That's, that's commonplace. So as will know. happen on Tuesday against Michigan state. Exactly. It's just part of the deal, I think. But, but I think for Duke, like 
they struggled a little bit with Umar Balo's size. He had 13 points, five boards. Uh, a lot of it. Yeah, should, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Ballo, yeah. Balo just misses bunnies all the time. Like he should have had 25 in this game, dude. He probably should have. Yeah. You're right. But I think you learn more for Duke learns more from this game than they would have learned against another opponent, even though that probably would have led to a victory. And I think at the end of the day, that's good for Duke. It's obviously good for Arizona to go get a road game at the, one of the toughest places in the entire country to play. It's good for the fans in the arena. It's good for us watching the game on TV. I mean, it, uh, that's the rare win, 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 win right there. And I think this was a, an incredible showcase of what college basketball can be. And like you said, more of this, please. This was incredibly fun, and, and I'm glad we got a chance to see it. But I wish we got to see more games like this. Yeah, it's Shire's first home loss for Duke. And it is, I mean, he has stated it's going to be a difference from Coach K, who would not go on the road in non-con unless he was forced to. Coach Shire wants to make these home-and-home home series with other elite programs a thing going forward. And so, Andy, I absolutely love it. Um, with Duke, I think they're going to struggle when they face bigs like this. Like, I think about a dude like DJ Burns from NC State or Armando Baycott. How are they going to match up when they don't have Derek Lively going at it? That, you know, like, I, I think that if Duke has a fatal flaw that we are seeing early in the year that could prove to be a fatal flaw in March and April, that's probably it. Well, folks, not only is maybe Duke going to be in trouble in the interior this season, you know, the Big Ten, Andy, a lot of people uh, talking about how good the Big Ten is going to be this year. Well, the Big Ten is actually the Big 14 and is about to be the Big 18. But is it also the Big Trouble? We're going to talk about that and try to answer it in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by our good friends at Game Time. College basketball season is here and you're going to need last minute tickets to some incredible sporting action like we just talked about duke michigan state and kansas kentucky tomorrow night champions classic you want to go check out game time i guarantee you they got the seats you need i know they're going to have them at a good price and i know that i'm going to be able to see what the view looks like from my seat so i know if i can get a great look at hunter dickinson as he's just trying to do work on the kentucky lack of big men Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for any event you're looking for. Basketball, football, music, comedy, you name it, they got it. In addition to the view from your seat, I also love their low price guarantee. I love their event cancellation protection. That makes me feel comfortable to go ahead and buy. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download their app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. Andy Patton, it's guaranteed. All right, let's talk about the Big Ten. Literally, as we started recording, we watched Indiana polish off Army there in Assembly Hall. But they shouldn't have had to. And he going against an army team, I can't even they've what like what is happening in Bloomington, Indiana. But yeah. it ain't just there, Andy. There seems to be some sort of going on with the Big Ten following the conclusion of that game as a conference. They're now 24 and 6. Uh some some good losses, you know, against high-level teams, but also some uh Head scratchers. Andy, what are you seeing right now from the Big Ten? Isaac, first of all, I would love to talk about what I'm seeing in the Big Ten, but I also really want to tell you right now that Weber State is up five with two minutes left against St. Mary's, so we're going to keep what? a close eye what? on I that game. 
as it's going on. Uh, in regards to the Big Ten, Maryland has looked – they haven't looked good. They played Davidson and UAB, lost to both of them. Clemson played both those teams as well, and they won. They beat both of them, but they were very close games. Now, Davidson and UAB, this is not – this is not, you know, th these are pretty solid mid-major teams. And I think sure. that's worth acknowledging. But at the same time, Maryland was a team that had top five aspirations in the Big Ten that, that had aspirations to potentially be ranked. I think there were uh, certainly a few places that considered them, as, at least in the receiving votes category, right. as that's a right. potentially ranked team. And and they're losing to, to Davidson and UAB, just teams, again, not bad teams, but teams you can't lose to if you want to be in that top 25, if you want to, you know, be representing your conference well. Then you have Michigan State, of course, losing to James Madison. That was the, the big story of week one but michigan state through their first two games is shooting six and a half percent from three six point five percent as the lowest three point percentage we have seen through a team's first two games in like 15 years this team has some serious issues they're going to be fine i think thomas is going to figure it out i don't think this team's just going to be like woefully inept at shooting the ball all year long but it is not an area of strength and then you have Rutgers, they lose to Princeton. Like, there's just a lot of teams falling in games they shouldn't be falling in. And, and I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and denigrate Ohio State for losing to Texas A&M or, or Wisconsin for, for losing to Virginia because uh, – or to Tennessee. Tennessee. I was like, uh, Virginia's not right. To Tennessee. That was Florida. That was Florida. Yes, right. So those are, those are okay losses for Ohio State and Wisconsin in a vacuum, but they were at home. They were at home for both of those games. Like you probably need one of those to, to help your conference out a little bit. So, to me, the Big Ten always has this reputation of oh, they're going to beat they're they're going to beat each other up in, in conference play, and they're going to struggle in the tournament because of that. But like they're struggling before we even get to conference play. And, and I think some of these teams are going to turn it around. But with Indiana looking questionable, Maryland looking questionable. This is a conference that, that frankly, outside of Purdue and, and if some surprising performances from teams like Michigan, who have looked very good, uh, they just they just don't look that great right now. Yeah. How about Michigan, by the way? I mean, we we were poo pooing yeah. them preseason, and uh, they're I mean, they've moved up to thirty fifth at Ken Palm already. Where did they start at forty fifth? So they moved up ten yeah. at Ken Palm. Um, Illinois has done fine. You know, it, yeah. it's funny. Um, I was been fine. Yep, I was been fine. Uh, Northwestern has been fine, you know, like there, there's some of that, but like I, Andy, if we take away Michigan state's loss to James Madison, you think we feel the same way right now? Like, right. Like, are we feeling this because there's this one massive big ticket loss? I think probably. Yeah. Cause I don't think we would be, I don't think that Ohio state's loss or Wisconsin's loss are, are going to even really register on the radar all that badly. I think most, I think the conversation, if Michigan hadn't stopped lost to James Madison, I think the conversation would be, wow, Maryland's bad. <laughs> like, I really think that wow. that is kind of what would drive down that conversation. And I think we might have a separate conversation about Indiana as well, but again, Indiana is two and oh, they won those games against Florida Gulf Coast and against Army. They did not look good, and I think they have some issues. Their guard play has been inconsistent. McKenzie Mbako has done virtually nothing in their first two games. Kalel Ware has looked awesome, which is huge for them. Him and Malik Renault uh, were that front court that we were expecting big things from, it, and we're getting it. It's just the rest of the team's not doing anything. But I do think the Michigan State loss is really dragging down our perception of the Big Ten, and I think okay. there's also just an element of the Big Ten has had 25 years worth of struggles in the NCAA tournament. So people really, really want to point that out. Uh, and I mean, Purdue obviously had the biggest, most notable loss last year. They have been completely fine in their first two games this season. But 
I, I do think that there is an element of, of Michigan State kind of dragging it down, but but it's not just them that hasn't performed well this season. And Andy, when we start to look at the conferences as a whole, I mean, I think this is part of the conversation because part of it is like the, the Big Ten as a conference is third at Ken Palm right now behind the Big 12 and the SEC, as we expected, right? Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me is as we start to look at the dichotomy of it, it's like the power six conferences are kind of divided up into three tiers right now. For, for those who aren't familiar, Ken Palm has the same like adjusted efficiency margins for the conferences that he does for the teams. And that's how he ranks them. And, you know, we, we should acknowledge that at this point of the season, there's previous data um, mm -hmm. that, that is in on this and part of it. But that said, the big 12 leads with a plus 17 sec plus 16. There's a demarcation line there. That's your tier one tier two, big 10 at plus 14.8. Big East at 0.14.3 and Pac-12 at 0.13.4. And then, Andy, third tier of the Power Six conferences down by itself is the ACC, the only other double-digit conference, but they're only at plus 10.77, so a much bigger gap from the ACC up to Tier 2 than from the Big Ten up to Tier 1. So, you know, obviously, if we were looking at this Power Six as a whole, we would say, oh, ACC, and we're going to talk about more ACC teams here in just a little bit, Mr. Patton, but we're talking about relative to expectation. I would I would have said preseason that I expect the Big Ten as a conference to not, not necessarily be in Tier 1 with the Big 12 and the SEC, but at least be closer to that and not have as big a gap. Would Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, we know that there's there's bottom feeders in the ACC and those teams have performed as we expected. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but like there are bad teams in the ACC and they're playing like bad teams, but there are teams in the Big Ten. I mean, again, Maryland and Indiana, I know Indiana is one, but like those are teams that are expected to do a lot better. Michigan State is probably the biggest culprit in terms of like a team expected to be a, a top five team and they're losing to uh, teams that they should not be losing to with all yeah. due respect, James Madison. And so I think you're seeing that those expectations, I mean, you, you look at the PAC 12 and it's like, they only have two losses as we're recording this right now. We'll see what happens with Washington and Nevada, but like Cal lost to Pacific and that's not a good loss for Cal, but Cal is bad. Uh, Arizona state lost to Mississippi state. That's a fine loss. Arizona state is yeah. probably Even without Bulu Smith. They're a good team. Yeah. All right, anyway, Andy, really quick. Yeah. St. Mary's is, has their last possession. I yeah. Think tie, 30 miss, seconds left. Rebound. <laughs> miss. Weaver State gets the rebound. Ball game. This thing's wow. probably Wow. Gale, we're changing our top 25s. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to update that. Andy, this <laughs> is, I mean, this game is in Moraga. Oh, no. 2.9 seconds on the clock. They got a foul. So uh, Weaver State's going to shoot a couple free throws before it's technically over, but they are up three. Going to the free throw line, I believe it's double bonus. So uh, we'll keep talking about it and looking at it. Wow. Andy, if, if this happens, what, what does this mean for the West Coast Conference? Well, it certainly means that, that Gonzaga is probably going to be back on top in terms of the rankings, in terms of the perception. Gonzaga's only played one game, of course, uh, against Yale on Friday. They beat him by 15 points. Uh, Gonzaga also found out they're not going to have steel venters for the rest of the season. Uh, for the entire season, he never even got a chance to suit up for them. Yeah. Uh -huh. So their depth is in a, is in a in a bad spot right now. They were playing three big lineups. They were playing guys they weren't expecting to be playing in game one, but they went out and got a 15-point victory against a team that would probably finish third in the WCC in Yale. Yeah. So I think Gonzaga's in a good spot. And frankly, St. Mary's, they're susceptible to these kind of games because yep. of the, the pace that they play at. Yep. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of they're, Virginia. If you're not familiar yep. with St. Mary's, think Virginia. That'll yep. help. 
they play a Virginia style. And, and you know, Weber State is they're, they're holding them to under 65 points, which isn't bad at all. But they only have, as we're recording right now, 57. That's the problem when you play such a low possession game. And they really struggled in the second half. They look like they had this thing in the bag for most of the first half. But you miss some shots. The efficiency drops. And, and you know, I, I've said this about Gonzaga and, and St. Mary's in the past, like, both teams are capable of beating just about anybody, but St. Mary's is more susceptible to losses to bad teams than Gonzaga. It's very rare for Mark Gonzaga to lose to teams worse than them. They do. They lost to LMU last year in Spokane for the first time since 1991. So it happens, but because Gonzaga plays at that frenetic pace, because they get out in transition, they tend to be able to quickly go on 10-0, 12-0, 16-0 runs and bury teams. St. Mary's doesn't do that. And if they have an inefficient night, they can lose to a team like Weber State, which is what we're watching right now. This is a tough blow for the Gales. Uh, they're probably going to be out of the top twenty-five, and yeah, I mean they're they're twenty-third in the top twenty-five right now. They're, yeah. they're not. I think you they're and I both have them like in the teens. But yeah. uh, AP voters all over the nation right now are scrambling to change. Yeah, votes, so we'll keep our eyes on that one. Well, Isaac, we got our first six-pack of the season. For those of you who are new to the show, six packs are the way we end our Monday shows. We talk about six different games, events, things going on around the league that we weren't able to cover uh, in the first part of the show. Typically, that's where something like St. Mary's losing to Weber State would go. But we're going to, of course, uh, talk about a couple other games, including a big win for BYU, big win for Virginia. All of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Jace Medical. And folks... For those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, we we spend a lot of time chatting together, you and I, Isaac and I, uh, Isaac and I, and you all. We get fired up together about the big wins, the big games, the big losses, who's starting for certain teams, all that stuff. And I'm really thankful for the connection that we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. Whether you're out on an extended travel, whether you're bracing for a major weather event, or just limited by yet another supply chain shortage, you are covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics for Cialis and Viagra can be filled. So go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about their experience with Jace. Quote, I am so thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half in order to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So folks, if you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medicine, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. All right, Isaac. Six pack, first one of the year, and we've closed out the final, the first week, the final few games of the first week with a bang here with Weber State defeating St. Mary's, a, a pretty shocking result here. And, and we, like I said, we would have had that in here, but of course, we just found out live that it's happening. But we're just better. About- it's awesome this way. It's always fun. It. Always fun to be able to do it this way. Uh, the team that I'm going to talk about first, though, is a former foe of St. Mary's in the WCC, and that is BYU. BYU home game against San Diego State, the number 17 ranked Aztecs at the time, and BYU secures themselves a 74-65 to victory. It is hard to win at the Marriott Center. Brian Dutcher is 4 and – or San Diego State is 4-30 and playing road games at the Marriott Center, but yet Brian Dutcher said, we're going anyway, we're going to go play them out there, and they leave with, a, with a, a loss there, a tough loss for San Diego State, a really nice win for BYU, who's going to play a lot of really good teams in the Marriott Center this year in the Big 12. They're off to a good start doing so. 
Andy, as I get into the second uh, part of the six-pack, I just realized why St. Mary didn't win their game. Aiden Mahaney scored to give the Gales 49 points with 12 minutes and six seconds left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hasn't scored? Wessels made a layup with 518 left to give him 51. So that's like, what, seven minutes of game yeah. time without scoring? That'll do it. Okay, do it. <laughs> on to the second part of our six-pack. Tonight, I just lost my notes as I was getting back and forth to the (laughs) St. Mary stuff. Okay, here we go, folks. This is podcasting in real time. You're here for it. Uh, (laughs) We, unfortunately, from time to time, have to dump on Louisville because, unfortunately, for the second year in a row, it appears that they are going to be absolutely terrible. They escaped with a win over UMBC on opening night and then uh, barely beat or uh, then lost to UT Chattanooga on Friday. Hey, Andy, they're probably going to win Wednesday. They got Coppin State, who's 360th in the country at Ken Palm. Good grief if they don't. That's going to be bad. But here's the deal. The uh, Cardinals have competition for the worst power six team in the country this year. So keep your eyes on DePaul, who is 0-2 right now with losses to I uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne mm-hmm. and Long Beach State, Georgetown. Uh, also holding down the cellar in the Big East, lost to Holy Cross this weekend. Notre Dame has the distinction of being the only Power Six school outside the top 200 at Ken Palm. Yikes, they uh, lost to Western Carolina. They beat Niagara, but Andy, come on. Uh, obviously, Cal, as you talked about earlier, lost to Pacific. And uh, so, Andy, the race is on for the worst Power Six team in the country. I think this is probably something we should keep our eyes on all year long and make sure we always talk about it because uh, misery loves company, right? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Next up in our six pack uh, Virginia defeats Florida. And we're going to stick with the WCC theme here. And former San Francisco head coach, Todd Golden uh, takes the loss there to v- Virginia 73 to 70. That game was played in Charlotte. Blake Buchanan, really nice performance for Tony Bennett squad comes off the bench, 18.7 boards for him. And you could see that Virginia's defense was just on point in this one. Florida shot just 40% from the field, only shot 25% from three Walter Clayton, the big transfer addition for Florida, nine points, two of 10 shooting with five turnovers. He struggled in Florida's first game as well. And man, Golden's really going to need Clayton to turn it around. If this team's going to make any noise in the sec. That's 100% correct. Andy, uh wow james madison obviously we talked about that win over michigan state earlier but they followed it up by beating kent state and that might not sound like a big deal but it was a another true road game andy we've been talking about those they won a true road game at kent state double overtime thriller james madison was down with like under five seconds left in regulation tied it descended to overtime kent state was down with like under 30 seconds left in the first overtime tied it up and so i mean just ridiculous stuff andy so james madison these two road overtime victories to start the season great stuff they won again on sunday against howard but still they mm-hmm. followed it up with a win and andy they are favored in every one of their games per ken palm from now until january 6th bold hot take could james madison be the last remaining undefeated team in division one we will wait and see, but love it, especially as their football team's having a great year as well. It's really neat. 
yeah, really, really good athletic year for James Madison right now. I uh, couldn't figure out a way to, to connect this next one to the, to the WCC, so apologies for those of you who are hoping to find a way to do so. But the SEC picked up a pair of really solid road victories, and we talked about these games from kind of the Big Ten perspective, and that was the Tennessee win over Wisconsin uh, at Wisconsin and, of course, Texas A&M with that win over Ohio State. But these are really good games for a conference that is really competing with the Big 12 at the Big East to, to be that best college basketball conference in the country. We've talked so much about Big 12 versus Big East and, and who's it going to be. But I mean, the SEC is right there. And Tennessee, I mean, 10-point victory over a, a very good Wisconsin team that will pick up votes probably uh, in the AP Top 25. They're very close to making our Top 25. And Ohio State is a, is a quality program as well. I think they're still kind of finding themselves. But for Texas A&M to go in there in their house and, and yep. secure a victory, really nice wins for, for two really good teams in the SEC. You know, those two teams, Arkansas, Alabama, Kentucky, like – Man, Auburn, I mean, it's going to be a really, really tough uh, tough road in the SEC this year. And he didn't start, but Zakai Ziegler played in this game, yeah. Andy Patton. <laughs> I love to see it. All right, Andy, Memphis is making me think that FAU may not be the shoe-in that everyone wow. thinks they are to win the AAC in their first year there. They blast Mizzou in Columbia 70-55 to on Friday night, yet another true on-campus game. Way to go, Penny. Way to go, Coach Gates. Keep all of this going, folks. We absolutely love it. Memphis uh, just does work with Javon Quinterly. 18 points, eight boards, five assists, three steals. My friend, that is a stat line. Mizzou yes. only scored 22 in the second half, shot 32.1% from the field. You got to do better than that, Andy. But um, better days are ahead for Mizzou. Um, but I think this says a lot about Memphis and who they could be this year. It makes me really excited for the Memphis FAU matchups, which we haven't seen since the first round of the NCAA tournament last year when uh, Penny was doing his very best Bobby Knight, rest in peace, impression. <laughs> Folks, that's it for today's episode of Locked on College Basketball. We thank you so much for joining us on a Monday. Come join our Discord where we have more ridiculous conversations like these. It's such a blast. The link is in the show notes. Please make sure to subscribe on video and audio. Smash the like button if you're watching so we know you're here. And we'd love to hear your comments on this first week of games. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Andy and I are both back. We'll be reviewing our top 25 as well as the AP top 25 as well as some other content. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats! <laughs> and until tomorrow, peace!